Brother, I was sleeping off four days of drugs and alcohol. I shouldn't have woken up. But my wife prayed for God to save me. And he did. And he's been working on me ever since. A few years ago, I went to the front for prayer and I mentioned to the prayer partner that I was a drummer. He said the worship team had been praying for a drummer, so I joined the team. That's when the attack began. I felt so inadequate. I wasn't talented enough, I wasn't holy enough, and I wasn't good enough. So I decided to quit. But then I was told the devil tells us these things to keep us from serving, to keep me from being the man God made me to be. I was told the devil sees me as a threat, but God sees me as a weapon. I felt so empowered. I used to be afraid of failing. Now the devil is afraid of me. So whenever we have new people on the team, I tell them, the devil wants you to give up, but God isn't giving up on you, and neither are we. Because this is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. At Fellowship of the Rockies, we want to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. So those of you that have been with us, you know that our vision statement comes out of Mark chapter 9. And so this isn't a, this isn't a new vision. This is just fresh language to the vision God gave us back in, in 1995. And so we've been walking through this vision statement together, uh, taking word, a word at a time, just unpacking it and understanding it. And so as we've done, keeping with tradition, as we've done at the start of every one of these um, sermons, uh, we have recited, read aloud the vision statement that God has given us individually and as a church, and so it's going to come up, and so let, let's read that one more time. Are right, you ready? You'll read with me, and, and here we go, and you read it with energy and like you mean it. So, so here's the vision statement. To see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. And so that, that is who we are, who we are and that, that is, that is uh, what defines us collectively as a body. And so we're taking the word empowered. Last, last week was set free. I told my, my story and much of my journey how I was set free in my Christian life. And, and so now we come from that to where we come to the next step of what it means to be empowered. In other words, what it means to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, Scripture teaches us this, that once you meet Christ, you get all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. And that Christian maturity and developing in Christ is coming to the place to where you learn to, to, um, to plug into that power. You learn to appropriate more of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. And in other words, that we are energized by the Holy Spirit um, to, to live the Christian life. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us empowers us to follow God, overcome temptation, to pray effectively, to witness boldly, understand scripture, and then even to cope with suffering and difficult circumstances. That's what the Holy Spirit does in, in, in our life because many times in life, if we try to do these things on our own strength and our own power, uh, that, that, and, and we just kind of pretend and we just try to gut through it, that we get exhausted and we become ineffective. And so the Holy Spirit is like the energy. The Holy Spirit is the power in, in the Christian life, and, and I know many of you may be like me, and, and when I met Christ, uh, we didn't talk in the church that I met Christ in. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Uh, fact is, we were kind of scared of the Holy Spirit, 
And uh, we, we knew he was there, and it was kind of like your weird uncle, that if he shows up, things are going to get weird at the reunion. And so, so let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. And you may say, well, you know what? I know some people, and they talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, and they're just weird. Well, they were probably weird before the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit does not make you weird. Fact is, the Holy Spirit is what empowers you to live the Christian life. I, I kind of relate it to my cell phone. When I, when I, when I get a cell phone, it, it comes with, with a battery. It comes with all the power that it needs, but it, it has to be charged, and it has to be recharged. In other words, this, uh, a dead cell phone, a cell phone out of powder, power is little value, but it's of great value when it's properly charged. So you know what? I'm like many of you. Every night, I take my cell phone, and I, I plug it in because I want to start the day with a fully charged cell phone. And, and there's sometimes during the day that I plug it in repeatedly. I, I re-energize it. I get more power into it because for me, if my cell phone is dead, it's like of little value and, and it and affects me. And the same is spiritually true as well, that there is a power to live this life, to live the Christian life that is available to us. But we have to come to the place that we're able to understand it and we're able to plug into it. Second Peter 1.3, we'll read a few scriptures and then we'll go to Acts chapter 6, says this. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. You drop down to verse 5, it says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so God has equipped us with everything we need to mature in Christ. God has equipped us with everything we need to live a productive Christian life. And, and the fruit of the Spirit should be more evident in, in, in our lives uh, now than it, than it was a year ago. And it should be more evident in our life a year from now. In other words, we're maturing and we're, we're progress, uh, progressing uh, in our spiritual journey. But just as a cell phone can be drained of, of power and become useless and of little value, uh, we also spiritually need to be continually renewed by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at Acts chapter 6 when we unpack this word, what it means to be empowered. We're going to look at Stephen's life, and, and, and you could take, well, we're going to take most of the book of Acts chapter 6, and we're going to walk through it together because we're going to take snapshots of Stephen's life when, when he was empowered for, with, from the Holy Spirit or through the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life the same way that we are. The first thing is this, when we're empowered, we are empowered with a heart to serve wisely. In other words, not only when you become a Christian, you get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get, but you're also, you get spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ. And that, that there's an empowering that happens through the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're, we're empowered with a heart to like serve and to, to serve wisely. And so here's what the scripture says, Acts chapter 6 verse 1. Um, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen. This is who we're looking at. They chose Stephen. And this is, this is about Stephen. A man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And with Stephen, they, they selected several other men as well. And so they were selected because they were full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. These would be the first deacons in the church. Stephen would be the first Christian martyr in the church that he would, he would die for, for his faith. And you can see in Stephen's life that his faith had matured from the place of meeting Christ all the way to this place when they would say, Stephen is this guy that's like full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Listen, let me... Uh, wisdom is this. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. It's not common sense. It's not good sense. It is it's like godly sense. In other words, true wisdom is to be able to see life from God's perspective. And you know what? For us to be able to see life from God's perspective, we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit in, 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 our, in, in our lives. I mean, Stephen would need the, the, the Holy Spirit to empower him to do what God had called him to do. When you look at the, the church that he was in, it was well over 20,000 people. And he had an assignment of overseeing the distribution of food for the the elderly and 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 for wisdom uh, and for widows and so it, it took wisdom it took wisdom to listen to the complaints and evaluate the needs he had to be able to see life from god's perspective it it took wisdom to bring unity between different groups of people that are opposed to one another at odds with one another they were in they were in conflict it took wisdom to 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 come up with a program and to, to properly distribute the, the food to, 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 the, to, the, to the women that were in need. And so you see that, that, that Stephen served, and he served wisely. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. In other words, th this church continued. This church continued to grow in a large part because of someone like Stephen and someone like the other men and women that served within that body. And so wherever, wherever you serve, you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the most effective. Listen, in your own power, you cannot do it. In your own power, you will not last. And I, I've just watched it in, in the local church when people move from, from empowerment of the Holy Spirit to the flesh, all of a sudden it's, it, it can be about their preferences and they get, they get frustrated and they just and they quit. We have been empowered with a heart to serve wisely. In other words, it's, it's not about our preferences. Man, when, you start, when you start looking at this, True gospel humility means that I, that I stop connecting every experience and every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself. And you can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we need a daily empowerment from the Holy Spirit because it, it, it doesn't take long, right? It doesn't take long for the Holy Spirit's power to like ebb out of us, just like, just like with a cell phone. You, you see this all the way through Scripture. You see this with Moses, right? When Moses went up to the temple and he came into the presence of God, he comes down off the mountain and his face is like glowing. And so it says that he put a veil over his face, not only so people didn't have to, to squint when they, when they like talk to him, but because he was a little bit embarrassed because he knew that the power was draining out of him. Look, this is what 2 Corinthians 3.13 says. 
not like Moses who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. And so sometimes, sometimes we're like Moses and that once we were empowered by the Holy Spirit, but the, but the power ebbs away and we become weak and ineffective and we, in our flesh. And Scripture says that, that we have to have a continual filling or refilling of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit, Spirit fills us to do what God has called us to do. You see these phrases said about the same person like there's another filling. So here's what the Scripture says, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people of, of, uh, and elders. And you drop down to verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So there's people were described as being filled with the Holy Spirit earlier, and but they seem to be recharged or they seem to be refilled on occasion. And so how can we walk in a way that we're full of the Holy Spirit. I want to give you six things that spiritually renew us, that, that are spiritual practices that should be in every one of our lives. The first one is this, is that what, what refills us is we repent of any sin that may be quenching the Spirit. In other words, unconfessed sin in your life will quench the Spirit in your life. And nothing quenches the, the Holy Spirit in your life like unconfessed sin, malice and envy and anger and other things. A flagrant or a repeated disobedience can like clog the Spirit's flow in, in your life. Psalm 51.11 says, Cast me not away from your presence and take me not and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a, with a willing spirit. And so one of the ways is we, 1 John 1.9, that we're willing to to confession of sin. The second thing is this, is that we learn to meditate on Scripture. We learn to meditate on Scripture. Uh, 2 Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So it, it's important that we read Scripture. That, that's, why we, that's why we life journal here. That's why many of you life journal with us, and it's just a, it's a reading plan to read through the Bible in a year, and then there's, there's, some, there's some inductive study that, that we do as a result of that, and, and uh, we, we grab a scripture and we meditate on that scripture. It fills our hearts. It fills, fills our mind. There is something about reading scripture. Listen, I'm telling you, man, when you come to the place to where you can get into the Word yourself, there's something that happens when you can take a scripture and apply it to your situation and to your life, and you know it was from him to you. And the Bible, listen, the Bible is not a bunch of words written by man, written by man about God. It is God's word to us. And it's powerful in our life. So it's not only meditating on Scripture, but it's also praying daily. And it's so important to pray daily, and that's part of what we do in life journaling, that you take that verse that you get, and you begin to pray that verse back to, to God after you've applied it to your life. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, who, who, are, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I'm telling you, there's something about reading of Scripture, and praying Scripture back to Him. 
before I preach, sometimes during, during worship, well, every time during worship or before I preach, I pray a similar prayer that says, Lord, just, uh, just, just fill me with your spirit. Just anoint me with your spirit so that the words that I speak are the very words of God that brings encouragement and comfort and, and ministers to people and touches people in the depths of their soul. If not, I just become a public speaker, and, and I want to be more than that. Another thing that fills us is this, is, when we, is the mutual encouragement of others. The mutual encouragement of others. And see, that's why life groups and that's why um, Christian community is so important. Ephesians 5.18 tells us that, that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we speak to each other differently. We speak to family members differently. We speak to relationships differently. And look, the mutual encouragement of others. And verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but just being around spirit-filled Christians is energizing. I, I meet with a, with a man for breakfast once a week, and, and we, we life journal together. And, I mean, that Wednesday morning is like one of my favorite Wednesday mornings. It's, it's, it's a different morning because of the, because of the encouragement, because it's, it's energizing when you're around other people that share Scripture with one another or, or, or read Scripture uh, together in community. And he says in verse 20, 20, giving thanks always for and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's, it's, it's through a relationship with Christ that we can give thanks or have gratitude in every season. Conditional gratitude is not gratitude. Our gratitude is not dependent upon our circumstances. And when you're connected with him, you understand that and you get that. Here's, here's another Worship in spirit and truth. In other words, so many times we make, we make worship about our preferences, about our likes, and about our dis, dislikes. But Jesus is the one that says when you worship, you worship. You worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, Psalm 68, 35 says, Awesome is God from his sanctuary. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed, blessed be God. Uh, just, just a real quick story. Worship means, worship means a great deal to me. It was in a worship service before a sermon was ever preached that I, that I met Christ. I told you the story last week. And I'm much like many of you. When I come into a worship service, I sometimes come in with a burden. I sometimes come in with circumstances in my life or in our family. And I always come into a church expecting. I am expecting God to do something. I am expecting God to do something in my life. I'm expecting God to do something in your life. I'm expecting God to do something collectively as a church. And last weekend, um, I, we were in worship, and that new song that we're, that we're worshiping to here, uh, the spirit of the living God just like rocked my world. And I had this situation in our family that I was thinking about, and then I was bringing into the worship service. And, and when we got to that line in the spirit of the living God that says, because when you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and it changes what we seek. And when I, when I worship to those words, all of a sudden my situation became very clear. And I knew what I needed to do. I knew what changes I needed to make. 
I knew how I needed to lead my family spiritually very, very clearly from the Lord. It changes everything. The Holy Spirit changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you see your situation. And it can even change the things that you you seek. And I I went home and talked to Karen and said, this this is what God showed me. And this this is how we're going to handle this situation. This is how we're going to, and and I'm going to take the lead in this. I mean, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's personal. It's not how everybody else around you needs to change. It's not how everybody else around you needs to do things different. It's how you need to change. So many times we make worship about our preferences and about our likes and about our dislikes. I told you I met Christ at Houston First Baptist Church in, in Houston, Texas, of course. And, and, um, and so it's like one of the first Baptist churches in, in, in Texas. And, and, uh, and so they have an interesting story about worship. It is old church. And so in the 1840s, Houston First Baptist Church decided they were going to buy a new instrument to introduce into worship, to, to make worship better. And so they were going to buy this instrument. They bought this instrument. It was really edgy for a church to buy this instrument at a time. And uh, they had some people that considered this to be the devil's instrument. And so there's a little bit of controversy about this, this, this thing. And so they bought this instrument. They put it in the church. You know what the instrument was? An organ. And so there's a group of people that are mad because now the church has an organ. And they, they viewed that as like the devil's instrument. So you know what happened? Someone came late at night. A group of people stole the organ. They came to church that next week. It's gone. And for 40 years, nobody knew what happened to the organ. In church world, that is a tight cartel. <laughs> to go 40 years without anybody knowing, because usually in church world, someone rats somebody out sooner or later. Not this church. is a tight cartel. And so for 40 years, they didn't know what happened to the organ. And then the day come when the city of Houston is dredging Buffalo Bayou, that's like a river, uh, to, to, uh, to create the, the Houston Ship Channel. And while they're dredging the Buffalo Bayou, they, they hit something. You know what they find? An organ with a nameplate that says, Dedicated to Lord Jesus Christ to honor and worship him, Houston First Baptist Church. That is a true story. And so many people make, listen, so many people make worship about their preferences. Worship, we worship in spirit and in truth. So he speaks to us, and, and there's, there's, there's a feeling that happens. And uh, here, here, here's another one. Use your spiritual gifts. When you operate out of your spiritual gifts, there's an encouragement. There's an encouragement to know, guess what? When I use my gift, how God has gifted me, and I understand that he can use me in the lives of other people, whatever that is, whether it's teaching, whether it's worship, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's youth ministry, what life group, what, whatever that is, usher, greeter, we have so many. It makes a difference in our life when we realize, guess what? God can use me. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you, fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. My spiritual gift is preaching and teaching. After four services on the weekend, Sunday afternoon, I am mentally and physically exhausted. But I'm energized because I operated in my spiritual gift. So, we're empowered with a heart to serve wisely. The second thing is this. We're, we're empowered to, with courage to witness boldly. We're, we're, we're empowered with courage to, like, witness boldly. 
Acts chapter 6, verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of those of Sicily and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which was, with which he was, he was speaking. As the Holy Spirit deepens you, you should come to the place to where you're capable of verbalizing your faith. You're capable of sharing your story, telling people the hope that resides in you, what God has done in your life, that you're a believer, and you, you come to that place to where you're able to take a stand for, for Christ. And a lot of times we look at movie stars and we look at sports stars, and when they do it, we think that's awesome, and it is. Like just recently, Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, I hate to even bring that name up in here. But he's a believer, and uh, when he signed his latest contract of a hundred is a hundred and twenty-five million dollar contract, and so in in the in the press conference they ask him, "You're, you're so young. What are you going to do with a hundred and twenty-five million dollars?" You know what he said? He looked right at him and said, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm tithing the first ten percent to my church. I'm writing my che- my church a check for twelve point five million dollars." He said, I've been tithing since I was a high school student when I, made, when I didn't even make $600 a month. And in my life, I have watched how God has blessed me and blessed my finances and blessed my life. And he says, so for me, that's what I'm doing. And so we look at that, and we applaud that, and we should. But we also, we also should be willing to be bold about our witness. We also should be able to share our faith and the hope that is within us. So we're not even only encouraged with a heart to serve him and, and to have, have courage of a witness, but, but the next thing is this. We're, we're empowered to live confidently. I mean, we're empowered to live confidently. Acts chapter 6, verse 11, he says, And when they had secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came uh, upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, so they set him up. This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. In other words, Stephen's in dangerous territory. This is a hostile environment. They have brought in false witnesses to lie, lie uh, about Stephen. And, and Stephen had, had, had known of, of other apostles that have been um, flogged and beaten and tortured because of their faith. Stephen, the Sanhedrin had told Stephen that never speak the name of Jesus again. And yet, yet Stephen, because of what God called him to, continued to speak the name of Jesus. And so he's in this totally hostile environment. And he's being victimized by a false witness who's accusing him of blaspheming the, the temple and trying to undermine their religion. And like these angry glares and these angry eyes are on him. And, and this would be an intimidating situation for anyone. But Stephen was so empowered by the Holy Spirit that and he had great confidence. Even, and he was all alone. There's no one to support him. And the high priest said, Acts chapter 7, verse 1, and the high priest said, are these things so? And then you, you could read it for yourself, but Acts chapter 7, Stephen just gives this Jewish history. Just right out of the, 
right out of the Old Testament, trying to help them understand. I, I'm not trying to undermine the Jewish religion. I'm just telling you that the Messiah that you seek is Jesus of Nazareth, and he, he's here. Verse 48 in Acts chapter 7, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, and what is the place of my rest? And so he says, I'm not, I'm not trying to undermine. I'm trying to help you understand that the Messiah that you seek, he, he's here. And then you see him get really bold, verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, and so do you. So he was bold in the, the face of opposition. Verse 54, now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And to my knowledge... This is the only place in Scripture where you have this picture that Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father. Everywhere else, you see that he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 57, it reads, But they cried out with a loud voice and, and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and they, they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When the Holy Spirit empowers us, he, he deepens us to where we can face difficult circumstances with confidence. We can face difficult seasons of life with confidence. We can even face death with confidence. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your staff and your rod encourage me and let me just tell you something this morning suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is with you and for you and Stephen knew God is not only with me but he is for me Romans 8 11 says this it says if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through this through his spirit who dwells in you. The last thing is this, is that we are empowered with grace to forgive immediately. In our flesh, we can't forgive. Apart from God, we, we can't forgive. Acts chapter 7, verse 60, watch this. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he, he fell asleep. Only a man filled with the Holy Spirit could forgive at this point. The act is being committed. And he's like, forgiven them. Stephen's last expression of prayer was forgiveness. And when the Holy Spirit empowers you, he gives you the power to forgive the gravest offenses. And some of you have been deeply wounded and maybe wronged by an abusive relative, a drunk driver, a insensitive parent, a, a greedy partner in business, someone who gossiped about you or slandered you, an unfaithful spouse. And these offenses have, have left in you like a lifelong scar that honestly will never disappear. 
And while you can't forget, and while you can't in your own strength forgive them, you can by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, forgive them and release your right to retaliate and find the grace to forgive. It's only through God that we can forgive. And our strength and our power will never be able to forgive. And when we live in that world, it makes us angry, bitter, and resentful. And there's no peace. Ephesians 4.30 says this, says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Same way Christ forgave you, forgive others.